Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz musician Paul Chost. We caught up with him in early April 2020 during the heavy of the coronavirus lockdown to talk about his 2020 CD, Simple Life and the Strange New World of No Live Jazz. He has performed worldwide with recent tours in Asia and Europe, and after a long career as an instrumentalist and sideman recording and performing with Billy Eckstein, Mark Murphy, Dr. John, Bucky Pizzarelli, Joe Farrell, Ron Carter, and so many others, He's moving on to other things, and he's got great stories. So dig it. I guess we're like everybody else and hanging tough here. Yeah, that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. How you holding up up there? Good. You know, staying positive and, you know, doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And, you know, like everybody else, you know. We all yeah. got a little bit of weight to carry here, so. With that, that so are you are you right up there in Manhattan? Uh, I'm actually right now down in South Jersey. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, Paul, thank you during this very extraordinary time. I guess this is one of the reasons why Facebook is actually a good thing to get connected and, and uh, you know, to stay connected with folks. So thank you for taking a minute out. It's great to connect with you and have a minute during this very extraordinary time in our history. Well, thank, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, it's an extraordinary time for sure. Nothing like you've ever experienced before. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody on this planet has ever gone through anything like this. So, um, but let's talk a little bit about you know what was before the, probably the pandemic. Um, your CD, The Simple Life. Talk to me a little bit about this CD and kind of what you've been up to as far as recordings lately. Uh, well, certainly all uh, you know gigs like everybody else's come to a complete standstill. Um, my quartet uh, and myself, we were selected by the State Department to be uh, to do some concerts out in Pakistan and Lebanon as part of the American Voices. And uh, naturally that got canceled. And uh, it kind of worked out good because we, we'd probably still be there right now. But um, uh, just a lot of things, you know, like I... Uh, I do a summer jazz camp at Westchester University, and yeah, I hate to really talk about it because everybody's suffering. I mean, you know, if you're a self-employed musician, there's no place to work. Everything is closed, and, and what we do is, well, at least a live performance. You know, we're about connecting with people and sharing the experience, and naturally all those places are closed, so there's there's no work right now, so that's a little bit tough. But, you know, I also write... And, so I, I have some things to keep me busy, but uh, but no money coming in right now, and that's a that's a real you know it's a tough one to grasp onto. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I know it's Rob. I think that's one of the reasons why I've been wanting to really reach out and do more interviews is that I think one of the very few antidotes that we can have is to at least talk about the music and swim in something that's a little bit more positive. So um, talk talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how you got involved with jazz and how it's kind of become your career. Well, if you want to get really depressing, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, I have a varied, you know, childhood. I, you know, um, you know, my, my parents were separated at early age and all that, you know, so some, uh, look, I just put it, same way as like everybody losing money, like everybody comes into this world with a certain amount of weight to bear. You know, that's 
that goes with the territory. Some people have a little more, some people have a little less, but I, I think that's kind of our common thread that we all we all have something to hold on to, something some weight that we carry. So, you know, I have some a variety of uh, things going on in my youth. I didn't come to jazz first. I mean, lately I've been I've been posting a lot of uh earlier stuff that I'd written about 25 years ago. I I've, I've written a lot of different styles, you know, and you know, just kind of whatever hits me, but I've been putting up some things that are a little bit more country and a little bit more faith-oriented, uh, only because I think those are good things to put up right now. Those are good messages. So I, I don't want to put stuff up in any way that's like, you know, PR or marketing and stuff. I find that a little distasteful right now. You know, I mean, we all got to work and we all got to eat, but I'm not pitching people to buy my record or anything like that. It's uh, it's a time for us to come together. So I want to put those things out about, you know, just that we're in it together. And um, I happened to put one up this morning that I wrote for my wife about 25 years ago. It's just a fun little romp uh, about having a partner. And uh, I know it's putting a smile on some people's faces. And so that's the stuff I'm doing now. Simple Life really kind of, you know, lays in perfectly for this because it, it's an album I did with my quartet with Jim Riddle, Dean Johnson, and Tim Horner. And I had uh, the great Joe Locke play on uh, four cuts. And uh, the song is really, the album is really about, um, you know, songs in my life that were important. Uh, there's a lot more than just on one album of songs that are important. But uh, uh, it, a lot of the undercurrent thing about Simple Life is from my dad who's passed. It always had this great thing about common sense. You know, he just always talked about that you know he was uh, a good steward without being like a, he wasn't like a, an overtly religious man or anything like that he just kind of walked the walk you know and uh, just thought that there was just a good common sense in this world that most people knew about and if we just kind of listen to the voice in our head we'd probably do the right thing most times and um and i i feel the same way you know i think so that's what the song, that's what the album is really about, about simple life, keeping things simple, not in, you know, not simple minded, but that's sometimes the hardest parts about living are just to live. You know, sometimes we complicate things so much. Um, you know, I, I posted something on Facebook the other day that, you know, having differences of opinion, political, whatever that they are, they don't need to be lines that that uh, are drawn in the sand that separate us. There are things that we can hold on to from both ends and support. We just can have differences of opinion without, you know, uh, being so antagonistic about things, you know. Like like we all kind of know how to treat each other without being told, you know. You, you know kind of when you're doing something wrong. or And you know, like my dad would say, when you do something nice for somebody, it always makes you feel good. And that's true. Anytime you do something nice, it makes you feel good. And, uh, you know, if you stop and question why you're doing something good or you're looking for something in return or any of that stuff, just stop. Don't complicate it. Just do something nice. Just that's it, you know. So that's kind of the gist of the CD and, and what brought the tunes together. So... What what did you learn? You know, you were an instrumentalist and now you're a singer, and, and you've been with a lot of big names over the years: Billy Eckstein, Bucky Pizzarelli, Ron Carter. What have you learned from kind of the legends and the elders of jazz over the years that's really resonated with you up to today? 
Well, I'm, I still am an instrumentalist. Uh, the things I learned from the elders at a very young age was, uh, one was to be professional, always be a professional. And uh, another thing was that if you take the gig, uh, then you bring your best, which still, you know, aligns itself with being a professional. When you put your name on it, yours, it's kind of like you're as good as your last eight bars. doesn't matter what your history is or anything. It's what are you doing right now. And if you take the gig, you bring it in and you do the best that you can. You don't do it with an attitude or, you know, this isn't hip enough or blah, blah, blah. You just deliver the goods. And I'd say that really stuck out greatly like with Ron Carter because I, I think maybe I was, you know, maybe 20, 21, and uh, we just happened to be on the same session together. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've always put to point some of this stuff out. Like I did a, a really wonderful session with Joe Farrell um, at a young age, but we were on the same on, on the same dates, you know, um, with Ron Carter. And I can't remember the artist, unfortunately, but it was like an adult contemporary thing. And then, you know, like I'm, you know, kind of shaking in my boots, you know, like, you know, he's one of my heroes and uh, I mean, I'm still bringing my, you know, going to do the best I can, but I, I don't know what to expect. It's going to be Ron Carter. And, you know, he came in and he was just thoroughly about the music. There was never anything like, hey, you know, man, like I played with Miles Davis or none of that stuff. Um, he didn't look at me like some, you know, 20-year-old kid, like, what are you doing it was just really beautiful. And the only time he kind of asserted anything uh, was it was so cold in the studio. Of course, I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I'm like 20 years old. I'm just glad to be there. Uh, but he mentioned about getting some heat. And the, the, the manager, the owner of the studio said, well, we never have anybody complain. They like it cold. And he said, well, I played here with Miles before. We always We never had a problem getting heat. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Ron. You know, I didn't say anything, but it was like, oh man, you know. So that's that's one of the one of the really big things I learned from from all the all the elders I've been so blessed to play with was to be professional and and also to be mindful that you know when you say something, uh, you know, you, you're never sure how it's going to resonate. It's always good to stay on the positive side as opposed to the negative. And uh, you know, I, I remember Joe Farrell coming over on. This tune we were doing, Miko Minardo, this uh, great arranger, he'd written this really kind of complicated drum thing, and I was nailing it. I mean, I really, you know, I, I, you know, felt really good. I was hitting it, and um, but you know, I'm a kid. You know, I got the butterflies and all that. And on a talk back, you know, uh, Joe Farrell's making his way over, and I, I had just been listening to uh, Outback with uh, Buster Williams and. Uh, and Joe, gosh, I must have listened to that a thousand times. And sure, I'm on a date, and the closer he's walking, I'm starting to feel like, oh, geez, he's going to say, you know, like, so what's your real instrument, kid, you know? But he didn't. He came over and he said something so positive and reinforcing and, uh, you know, asked me where I was from. And it just made me feel so good that he would acknowledge me in some way. And uh, I've learned a lot from that because those things have stayed with me all my life. When one of your heroes, uh, you know, kind of said something nice it really has a lot of impact so you never know you we're all teachers and students at the same time so you know uh there might be someone you're talking to that really holds you at a high bar and you know just be careful what you say just try it's always you know just better to stay positive and be reinforcing in fact i, I saw something on some show the other day about uh there's some kind of uh, you know scientific proof about this that 
when you say positive reinforcing things to people that they always get better. It always serves to make them better. But even if they're good at something, if you criticize and really find negative stuff, they'll get worse. It just plays in the mind, you know. So yeah. those are those are the things I really, you know, that I I take with me, you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. So, what was one of the first live jazz shows you ever saw that made you think, "Man, that's what I want to do with my life"? Well, again, like you know, it's it's not jazz. Like I come to music the same way uh, you know a lot of people did when I was growing up, and that's listening to the popular music to hit the airwaves, you know. So I might have been listening to Standing on the Corner and, you know, all the stuff of the day and, of course, the Beatles and rock and roll. And, you know, I got into Miles and Coltrane and Stravinsky. And, I mean, I've loved music from a very, you know, I started playing when I was six and I started working professionally when I was 12. So I've always, you know, music just resonated with me. I just love music, period. So... Um, I think one of the first people I heard was B.B. King that just floored me. It was at an electric factory in Philadelphia. I might have been like six feet from him. And, man, he just like, uh, I never heard anybody sing like that. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, I was in the studio once at, at, at Media Sound in New York, and this wonderful singer, uh, John Barranco, sang on one of my tunes, just a little just a little line, and man, standing next to him was like, "Oh my God, that's I would love to be able to sing like that." And he just had such a beautiful, rich voice. Um, but man, I've been so lucky. I've played with a lot of singers and 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 played in a lot of genres. You know, I've had songs recorded by Carl Perkins and by the band, and you know, I I I just I love a lot of different kinds of music. So I mean, I, I've always, you know, I, of course I dig jazz, and that's kind of my. Uh, you know where I'm putting stuff out now. It's in, it's in these past few years of my life that I'm really dedicating myself more to singing. I've, I've sung for a long time, but usually like in the studio and not trying to make a career out of it or anything. But um, these days and at this age that I'm at, I think I have a, I have a, you know, like from an older perspective, you have a, a different way of uh, interpreting a story that maybe you can bring to more people or something, you know. When you got a little bit of, you know, life on your bones, it makes a little bit of a difference, you know. Well, that's a perfect segue for me. If you had a dream tonight, you could run into your younger self, say, 20, 30 years ago. You could give your younger self an advice, one bit of good advice. What would you give your younger self? I, I had a good answer for this one time. <laughs> I forget what it is, Joe, but um, – I, I got to say, you know, like right now, like you just saying that, you know, some of these tunes I'm putting up, they are from about 25 years ago. And, um, you know, like I listen to them and um, I, I'm really proud of the work because I, I I put a lot of focus on trying to get things, you know, as good as I could, even though I was making demos for to pitch and stuff. But I, I don't know that uh, I don't know that I would do anything any differently. I, I was so blessed to start playing, like, you know, gigs to make money. At 12 years old, man, I'd do a gig, make $20. At at my time in life, that was a ton of money, you know. And between my paper route and doing some gigs, playing music, man, I, you know, I was pretty fat. So, um, and then these opportunities, like just being born in America and, and uh, I went to Berkeley uh, College to just become a college. I was there for about a year and then I, Went with a bunch of guys. We put a band together and 
in Allentown and rehearsed for a year and wrote like crazy. And uh, we did two gigs. We opened for Weather Report at State College, and we did some other little thing in this little mill. I'm digressing now, but my experiences have been vast and really wonderful, and I'm so lucky to have been born in America where we have all these freedoms. And, um, man, I mean, you know, I've written for TV and, you know, got stuff on radio and, you know, all these all these little things that are like part of the landscape of any musician, I think. And I, I wouldn't change anything. I don't know what I would tell myself because I've always worked really hard. I've been really dedicated. So I couldn't look back and say you should have practiced more or uh, you should have been more diverse or anything because uh, maybe one of my, my problems has been that I've been too diverse. So when I was younger and, you know, if there was a record label, you know, interested it would always be, you know, you got to pick a style. And I'd always say, well, but this is my style. Like, I'd make this, you know, like, if you listen to my country songs, there's, like, jazz harmonies in it. That's just what I gravitated to. But at the time, the uh, things being kind of cross-platform wasn't really happening then. So my stuff just kind of sounded wrong to the traditional sense. And, uh, you know, back then they had record stores and, you know, it was more about we need a place to put your records. Like, what bin do we put your record? Do you want to be country? Do you want to be pop? Do you want to be jazz? Do you want to be R&B? What is your preference? It's like, geez, I don't know. I can't pick one, you know. So, you know, maybe that would have been something, maybe stay a little bit more on one one thing. But really, I, I you know, it was, I'm not saying in any way that I couldn't improve. I don't, I don't want to sound like that, like, you know. People say, you know, what would you do different? Your life's like, well, I'm perfect the way I am. You know, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm just saying I, I just love, I just love music, and I'm dedicated to it. I've met so many great people, keep meeting great people. It's just an incredible, incredible life. I have a great wife that's been supporting me for so many years, and I, I'm happy, man. Got great kids, great kids, a dog that I love. So. Uh, I, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's been a great ride so far. There's plenty left, you know. I like that, man. So what do you like best about being a musician? What's the best part of it? Well, uh, the thing I love about being a musician, now, you know, like playing drums, you know, this is one of the things about music is that, I mean, you can do a gig, of, you know, solo pianist or solo guitar, stuff like that. But, you know, if you're going to play in a rhythm section, you've got to have good time and you've got to be able to, play with others and the things that I've always liked is you know playing with people that don't have an agenda so that we're all making music together and uh, in my current quartet you know I, I, I'm surrounded by three people that are just like that they are you know great composers and the first ones to allow space to happen so it's never congested with people just kind of showing their wares and things that they practice that they got to get out so I I love that, and, and I love the community of making music together. You know, that's one of the beautiful things of our art form is that it's done by more than one person, you know. Um, so I love that side. And uh, excuse me one second. Hey, sir, come here. Yeah. i get my dog in here. Um, sure. So I love that community, and I love uh, what you what you create together. It's like everybody grabs a paintbrush, you know, and we all paint a picture together, uh, which is really beautiful, you know. Um, as far as, like, singing, the thing I love even more is that it's so immediate that, 
you know, I love being able to have these sort of conversational things with the audience. And, um, you know, from all my times of playing different things and stuff, I, I think I can bring, you know, also being a writer, I, I think I'm able to maybe sometimes bring a different interpretation to the lyrics. So I really want to tell a story. You know, I'm not just there to, just to sing the song in tune and accurately and, you know, with feeling and stuff. I, I, I want to be able to tell the story from a different perspective. And I love when that happens. And I tell you, I love, of course, who doesn't love playing festivals for a lot of people and all that? That's great. But I love the small places, the undergrounds. Um, I love all, I play a lot of underground places in New York, uh, meaning that they are actually physically below ground. You have to walk down into them. And, uh, I could send you this little short piece I, I wrote. Maybe I'll put it on Facebook for you. But I, I just love that intimacy. It is so real. It's where, uh, you know, you can explore some things and, and it's something that you share. I just love that. I just love, you know, I get excited playing for 80 people or 50 people. That's, and you know, it's harder. You know, you could play for a thousand people and that's beautiful. Uh, and you still try to make it like it's one-on-one, even if it's a, a large crowd. But, man, when you're sitting like five feet from someone, you know, uh, it's really uh, – it really puts it on, you know. Like you really got to – you really got to come up with the goods, like and it, it stay open and stay open to these possibilities, you know, without, you know, clogging things up too much. I, I love that. I love that, that side. It's just, it's just wonderful. I want to know from you, you know, we're, we're at a point right now where all the music is silenced and we're going to get back to that point where the live music is going to be back and going. What do you hope that both the musician and the audience member gets from this quarantine experience so that when we get back out, what revelations do you hope we get when we get back out to see the music and perform and enjoy it? Well, I'm just hoping that, you know, globally, uh, Joe, I mean, I, I hope that this is, this whole thing is kind of maybe it's a forced awakening of how much more alike we are than we are different, and that this global pandemic, like maybe we'll maybe we'll apply the same things to global warming and you know um, to you know a global survival. I, I hope it kind of brings us together because and you know that we realize how much we really need each other, how much we really want each other in our lives and. And maybe see a little bit in how we sometimes take advantage of each other. So I'm hoping that it brings us together as, as the human race, you know, just brings us together a little bit because it's hard, you know, like the, the world over right now is looking just like what my neighborhood's looking. There's very few people on the street. There's very little activity. It's like, you know, it's like a bomb's gone off, you know, and except it's not immediate. It's a long, long, long bomb that's, that's going to run for a while. So I, I hope it brings us together. And, and, you know, like I'm saying, when, you know, when I'm singing for people, I'm really trying to, I'm always trying to strike this common chord. You know, I want to bring music to people so when they're listening, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I felt that. Oh, I know that. Or they're laughing with me or crying with me. or So I want to stay in that. I'm hoping that maybe there's more of us all connecting uh, a little bit more openly uh, when this thing is over. I, you know, it's like what I'm trying to do on Facebook right now is, uh, and I'm not like a real Facebook fanatic, but right now I've just been writing 
all kinds of positive things that I can. I've been putting up positive music, like I said. It's not like about buying my record or anything. And, you know, it's fine. Anybody wants to do that. I'm just not with that right now. I'm just about, I want to keep things positive. And, you know, I put something the other day that, you know, and this is true, that if you smile, even if you don't feel like smiling, if you smile, it tricks your brain into releasing endorphins because it thinks that there's something why you're smiling, and you'll feel better just putting a smile on your face. I, I want to try and do those things. I have a lot to say politically, but I'm not going near it right now. It, I just want to, you know, there'll be plenty of time for that, and I'm hoping everything kind of works out. But right now I just see uh, trying to stay as positive we can, try to keep ourselves united, you know, and caring for each other, loving each other. Um, you know, but the thing with, you know, I said this something the other day that I'm me. But, you know, like for most, I think for most of us, we've been taught to point the finger inward, you know, at the man in the mirror and with concepts like uh, the golden rule. And, you know, it's not like outside the box, you know, and it, and it keeps, those things keep us from pointing the finger outward. So I just, I'm just hoping that we listen to that voice in our head, that we don't drown out that voice by letting too much noise in or creating too much noise ourselves. Just kind of like a quiet time for maybe reflection a little bit and finding that space, you know. And uh, so I'm hoping we all come out the better for it, you know. We're going to lose a lot of people. It's so, it's so sad and it's really, it's really disheartening to see in our country what a great country it is. We have some. We're putting all these first responders and nurses and doctors out, laying their lives on the line every minute of every day, and they're not going out with the right equipment. Like we would never do that with our soldiers. We never send our soldiers into war with it, you know, half big goods that they're using, and without some unified leadership or you know inconsistent, uh, you know, intelligence. And it's amazing what we're expecting and, and taking from these people. You know, it's just. It's really, you know, it's hard. It's hard that we're, we're, that's happening. We should have been ready for this, you know, a little more than we are. Can't fix that yeah. now, so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So everyone has their version or their interpretation of you, or perception, I should say, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are? <laughs> I think I'm the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet. <laughs> Because I, right. I just, you know, like I told you, I'm, I've been doing what I love since I was six years old. I mean, despite my, you know, maybe I got off to a rough start, but music found me or I found music. And it's been, it's been my lifeblood and, and, you know, there's so much beauty in there. Now, there's a reason why it's called the universal language and, and because it is, it really is the universal language. I so I'm so grateful to have found that. You know, I, I said something to you the other day. Geez, I'm, you know, all the stuff I'm saying, but you know, like it's easy to say to, you know, to follow your dreams and to be a good person, all that stuff. That, that's easy to say when you come into the world with options. You know, if you come into this world and you have options, it means there's possibilities in your life. There's a lot of people on the planet that don't come into the world with options. There are only possibilities, or there are only hopes and dreams to find water and shelter and, and try to avoid, you know, uh, oppression. But if you do find yourself 
with options and possibilities in your life, then it's your responsibility to find whatever your gift or your path is and, you know, do it the best you possibly can. Dig into it and, and consider yourself lucky, you know, and, um, and that's all, that's what I could say is I'm aware of how lucky I am. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for where I am. I've got good friends that are sincere friends. Like I said, I've had a wife. I have a wife that is, you know, been so supportive for as long as we've been married. I've got great kids, great grandchildren. I, you know, I have a modest home, but it's, it's home, you know, um, I, you know, I'm not rich, but I'm, I'm rich in ways that are really important to me. You know, so I, uh, that's who I am. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad to be here. You know, it's, uh, look, anything you do, you know, I say to students, you know, like there's that adage, you know, find something that you like and you'll never work a day in your life. And I always tell them, <clears throat> excuse me, but you know, for me, that's bullshit. If you can find something that you love to do, that's great. That's great. You, like I'm saying, you find your path and you do what you, you know, but you're always going to have to work at it. You know, nothing's just going to be thrown on your lap and there's never that sense of entitlement. <clears throat> it just means that when you work at it and if it's something that you love, the work might not feel so, so heavy or there might not be a lot of uh, angst that goes with it. It's like you know that you're striving towards something and I still practice, you know, every day and I, I'm always trying to open doors and I feel the frustrations of not being able to get something right away. But I know in the back of my head from years and years of experience that eventually I'll get it, you know, I'll, I'll get it. Just got to stay with it, put the work in, put in the time, and eventually the gift will be granted, you know, and it'll be part of my life. So I'm grateful for all that stuff, man. I'm just, uh, I feel very, very blessed. Right on. Paul, that's a great triumphant way to wrap this up. Thank you for taking some time out during probably one of the most extraordinary times that we may live through through not only our lives but in this chain of human history so thank you for taking some time out my pleasure joe thanks for having me you know i was telling valerie my wife the other day like i i can't believe in, in our short life here on this planet so much stuff has happened i mean i, I would have oh. never thought in a million years like i would be living through this kind of Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Paul for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.